welcome back everybody to another episode of spooky state of mind spooky <laughs> i'm jasmine and i'm alex your co-host <laughs> okay, co-host so- hosts whatever you want to call us we're here we're here for you yep yep so I feel like I have to be transparent with you all. <laughs> um, we already recorded this episode and my smart ass accidentally deleted it. Not even 10 seconds after ending the recording. Yeah. As soon as we stopped, I saw her face and she's like, oh no. And I was like, what? Oh. She's like, it's gone. <laughs> oh, I can't like the f- just, I felt like crying. I was so mad, sad, heartbroken, everything like. I, think I went this, through the five stages of grief, I swear. I think this is the second time that it's happened ever. And both times were me. It's fine. <laughs> Here we are. But hey, maybe this will be a better take. Although, to be fair, I had some pretty funny jokes that first episode. I don't remember. Even remember I said them. a couple. I know. I don't remember either. But I know I was they laughing. Were so cute. If I were a fish and you caught me, you'd say, look at that fish shimmering in the sea. I just kicked my dogs out of the office because oh. you could hear their collars jingling and stuff. Have you heard that song on TikTok? Which song? I had the headphones off. If I were a fish and you saw yes. me, you'd say, look at that fish shimmering in the sea. Such a rare one. Can't believe that you caught one. <laughs> oh, so cute. I know. Such a happy song. But yes. But anyways, I'll switch it up. How was your week? Oh, okay. My week, you know, I didn't realize until yesterday, I kind of was having like a little bit of bad luck all week long. Really? Um, yeah. Like just little things, not, not super like inconvenient. But when I thought about it, I was like, huh, like first Monday came around and I thought I had a Disney reservation and I didn't. Okay. (laughs) I told Jazz, like, we got to go. We have a reservation. We got there. Uh, We paid for parking. I got mad at him because he pulled out this ugly ass beanie, all dingy and old. And I was like, please don't wear that. It's so embarrassing. Which to be fair, I didn't have to say all that. That was mean of me to say, you know, but whatever. And so he was like, no, I'm going to wear it. And I was like, ugh. And then we get to the front and they say we don't have a reservation. And it really felt like that's what I get. Like that was karma right there for telling him that he was embarrassing me because nobody wants to hear that, you know. Instant karma. (laughs) Seriously. And I'm not like that. I'm not like that with him often. Like I would never say that. But honestly, that was an ugly ass beanie. So I'm sure it's not that bad. He's had it since (laughs) he was a teenager. How old is he now? He's 29. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) So they almost let us in. But the supervisor was like, I'm sorry. The other park is about to have an event and everyone's going to come here. So I can't let you in. I asked about if we could get a reimbursement on our ticket or at least a parking pass for next time we go. She said, go to the ticket booth and ask. Okay, I go to the ticket booth. They say, sorry, we don't do that here. Go to the parking booth and ask. All right, great. So, and all this happened in the span of an hour. We get back on the shuttle, go over to the parking lot because we park um, outside of the park and there's a shuttle that brings and takes you. We get in the car, we drive, and there was one person out there directing the cars. And I asked, he talked to his supervisor. She's like, we left already. And I was like, no, please. To be fair, it was only $22, but we got to pay that again next time we go, you know? And so she was like, did you pay cash or card? And I was like, please don't say what I think you're going to say, because we always pay with card. And this is the one time we pay with cash. She's like, 
I already closed the tills. If you had paid card, I could have reimbursed you right now over the phone. I was like, damn it. She goes, call this number. Fine. I call the number. And I'm still like kind of, me and Jazz are not talking. And in my head, I'm just like, that's what you get. Like, now I feel like I have to try to get this reimbursement because he paid for the parking. And then I went and I said what I said to him. It just felt like I really needed to make this <laughs> as right as I could. He's probably I, over there, like, watching you with the side eye, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I did apologize, by the way. I did apologize. I recognized right away that that was wrong of me to say. And I'll be more conscious about my choice of words. But yeah, so I called the number, couldn't figure out what number to dial. I even reached out through chat. They said they couldn't do it. I finally got through to somebody over the phone. And then she's like, yeah, we don't do that. If they were going to do it at the park, that's their courtesy, you know, but we don't do that. So I was like, God damn it. Everyone at the park, they try to make it your experience good and pleasant. Mm -hmm. They try to give you that Disney magic. I remember Gary and I went to the first time we went to Disney together was on my birthday when we first started dating. So we'd only been dating for like a month, month and a half at that point. No, not even. Yeah, like a month and a half. And he took me to Disney. There was a power outage. The day that we fucking go, more than half the park is at a power outage. So there's only a few like rides that are open. Everything else is closed. And California Adventures is like completely, completely shut down. So everyone that had like park hoppers for California is now at Disney. Disneyland. And it took us over an hour to get get into the park. Oh, hell no. And this is before like the outage because the outage happened while we were in the park. Wow. And I remember like we went to Haunted Mansion. We went to the line for Haunted Mansion because it was one of the few rides that was open. That were open. And I remember almost crying and being like, I am so, and like telling him, I'm so sorry you're here. This is like the first time that you've come to Disneyland since you were a kid. You spent all this money on both of our tickets to bring me here for my birthday. For what? I'm just some girl you're dating. Like, you know, we've like just been dating. And I was like, and I'm so sorry. And some guy that worked there, like a cast member, he like overheard and he's like, Hey, you guys in line for Haunted Mansion? And we're like, yeah. And he gave us fast passes. Oh, how nice. Like, because I was just, I was so upset. Not because the park was like on a power outage. No, that happens. I get it. Yeah. I was so upset that Gear spent all this money, all this effort. He took it the day. He took a day off work. Like it goes to waste. Yes, and I felt so guilty that. All this money, all this time, you know, and he, I, I was genuinely really sad and upset. And this cast member just gave us fast passes. And I'm like, oh my God, you kind soul. Thank you so much. Now, so you like, sh- then after that, you should have stood near a cast member at every ride and done that story all over again <laughs> <laughs> to get a fast pass there. <laughs> no karma. We just right? went over that, Jasmine. Yeah. Did you not learn your lesson? <laughs> I'm sorry. You're not doing anything malicious. Like, okay, you're scamming people, but whatever. No, but yeah, so I wasn't able to get that. So I was like, all right. And there was a couple other things that happened that I can't think anymore. I was thinking about them all week long. And then when I realized, bad luck, all of a sudden they left my mind. So comes to show it really wasn't that important. They were minimal things, but. 
It's like yeah. once you spoke it into existence, you like you let it go. Yeah. But you know what? I had a review at my job yesterday and it was so positive. I think that's what made me just forget all the other things that happened mm-hmm. during the week. My my bosses just had such wonderful things to say about me. Aww. And I was like, oh, like they were great. They were like, you you bring so much to this company. Like you came here with a lot of a lot of knowledge. I know you think you don't know a lot, but you really do know a lot. And now you're doing these new things and you're like doing an amazing job and I trust you. Like, that's why I'm putting more responsibility on you and all this and that. And I'm just like, okay. And then they said that if I want to learn more about what I work in, which is payroll, they will pay for my classes. Nice. Like really? Like they're, they're great. I, so you can get certified. I know a lot of, yeah. I know a lot of jobs do that, but I've never worked anywhere where they offer that. Like I've never worked anywhere where my bosses are that great. You know, like you've been working your ass off since you were like 16. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. And this is the first time that I can say like, wow, I really feel like I feel great. I feel rewarded. I love it there. Remember before this job, you were like, I'm never like you're never working payroll again. Yes. It's so weird. Like it. I mean, I'm not saying payrolls like a thing of like passion and oh, my God. But if you like numbers, it's definitely an enjoyable job, which I really enjoy it for that reason but this is gonna sound corny but all the jobs that I had before made me lose my love for it Mm -hmm. like I just didn't care about going to work anymore I no longer cared if I made mistakes and at first I would be so careful like not that I became careless but if a mistake happened too bad let me fix it you'll get your pay when you get it and a lot of payroll people have that attitude because they're so used to getting the short end of the stick at their fucking job And this one, I'm proud to say, like, I love what I do, minimal errors. And when there is, my clients love me. Like, they had so many positive things to say about me. And yeah, I feel great. I remember when you got this job, you said nothing but good things about it. Mm -hmm. You're like, I Mm -hmm. never work payroll again. But man, this one's different. Like, I like it here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it is different. So I'm I'm glad. I don't see myself wanting to go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that that was my week. Oh, and then today, actually, before we recorded, Jazz and I went to go check out a venue for our wedding because we're age and looking to get married next year. So my cash app is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding, everybody. <laughs> if you want to fund it, <laughs> no, nah, I'm I'm totally kidding. We're hardworking people. But anyways, yeah, we want to go check it out. We fell in love. So just to kind of keep the guy in suspense, I was like, we have another place to check out tomorrow. Oh, my God. I was planning on going. But Jazz was like, no, you're not going anymore. This is a place for us. I'm like, okay, all right. See, this is where Jasmine and I differ. How many venues did you check out? I've seen like 10. And then I've inquired with so many more. I inquired with two. Gary and I looked at one venue and then we're like, yeah, okay, this works. And that was us for our entire wedding (laughs) and the planning. You want to do this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. You want to do this? Yeah. Okay, cool. This? Eh. Okay, move on. It was not stressful. It was the easiest thing we've done. else is fine everything else i'm like all right we have a dj we know what music we're gonna get like but it's just where is all this gonna happen i'm 
Yeah. I don't think I'm picky about what I was looking for, but the things that I wanted were kind of big. Like, for example, my non-negotiables mm-hmm. were pretty big. Like, I don't want it to end early. If it can end at midnight, perfect. If it has to end at 10, I mean, I can work with that, but I would rather not. Or like food, I would very picky. I don't, I didn't want anything American. Like I just. You didn't just want, want Italian. People. You didn't want chicken. Yeah. Like I just want people to be satisfied. Like I'm, you know, I'm trying to make this wedding so that people that I care about and I love can enjoy themselves. Mm-hmm. I want them to leave with, you know, with the smile on their face and with the full tummy having had a good time. So yeah. That was also important to me. And then the type of music that they allow was also important to me because what I want is loud ass music and not everywhere allows that. And you also wanted a larger wedding and we knew we were going to have a smaller wedding. So we had a lot more venues to pick from or to like look around. And I remember we just wanted good food, good music, good drinks. Mm -hmm. And I mean, our drinks, I think we just had like beer and wine. It was just easy, you know? Yeah, you did. Oh, maybe it was just beer and wine. Mm -hmm. I don't think we did a full bar. We just did beer and wine because that was what we could afford at the time. And we knew that they had good food at the venue. So we're like, okay, let's go here. And then when we did our tasting, all the food was so fucking good. I went with you. It was delicious. Oh, no, no, no. You went to like that open house. Oh, I did. Yeah, you went... They did. They did have food. Okay. Yeah, they did have the food and, like, drinks for us to taste. Um, Gary and I went to, like, a full tasting with them. Oh, okay, okay. To make our final decisions. And where they have, like, all the linens. Mm -hmm. We had, I still remember, it was chicken piccata. And it was, oh, my God, it was so fucking good. Those mashed potatoes. The chicken was so juicy. Oh, my God. That food was so good. Yep. So, so yeah, I think we found our venue. So, um but how was your week it was good i think i don't remember much about it i've been like disassociating lately where i'm just like uh just like on autopilot just go 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 get things done so i really can't think of like anything in particular oh but if you remember from last week or two weeks ago in the episode i talked about like wanting to post my story on no sleep and i did i posted it <gasps> you posted it and how did that go i did it got a few upvotes and then it got deleted for violating community guidelines <laughs> what was the com- what like what can even warrant a community guide like violation of it because, like, some stories are fucking dark and, like, twisted on there. Yeah. It's because my main character died at the end. <laughs> so how can... It was a first person point of view. It was first person. Yep. So how can the main character be telling the story After they if they're died. dead? Oh, yep. yeah, yeah. Technicality. The <laughs> simplest, stupidest thing. And I'm just like, I fucking know that. I but fucking like, know that. now if you... And the thing is that now if you if you want to change it to re-upload, you have to everything change the whole change. thing. I either have to change yeah. the ending so that they're alive or rewrite it completely so that it's like a third person POV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's funny. Wow. But I'm just like, well, shit. But it didn't get any down votes. It was all up. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, while well, it was up. Yeah. <laughs> For the whole 10 minutes. 
Yeah, basically. Taking that stuff down quick. Yeah, I got an email that said it was taken down. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, oh my God, what what did I do? And then I read the the actual violation and I was like, oh, oh yeah, they died. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, you want to get into this episode? I was going to say something else. In the original episode that we recorded, the entire like two hours that we were talking, I could not remember what I wanted to talk about. I was like, what the fuck? And then it's just like it came to me at like the very tail end. And just now it's it's very fitting with what we're going to talk about this episode. So I was talking with Gare about dying and like what we want to do, because I don't remember what we were watching or what we were listening to or what we saw. But it got us thinking about what do we want to do after we die? Oh, I remember. I think I was talking about like when my dogs die. Like, I want to get them cremated because I don't want to bury them in our backyard because I don't want, like, this isn't our forever home. Like, we're renting the house. And we don't know how long we're going to be here, wherever we go. I don't, you know, like. You want to take them with you. Yes. And my sister was like, oh, well, why don't you get them stuffed? And I was like, you know, I talked about that with Gare. But I don't want to get them, like, stuffed. I don't want my pets taxidermied. Like, it's just just not what I'm into. But, uh, um, um. I don't think I would be into that either. No, it's just, it's not for me. It reminds me of Scrubs when, with Rowdy. Did you ever watch Scrubs? Oh, they have a stuffed dog on it. It's a whole if thing. If I got a stuffed dog, I just, he, I would have to make him functional. I'll just make him into a table. <laughs> Put a tabletop on that sucker. Oh my God. Or in this case, my dog is so little, he could be a footstool. Oh my God. <laughs> Jasmine. Like, you already didn't pay rent when you were alive. Now let's make your ass functional. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. But so, oh, I remember why we were talking about it, because we were talking about something about like cremation and being Mexican and how both of our parents like frown against it, like frown on it, like frown upon it. Yeah. But for me, I don't want to be buried in the ground. Like, it just, it makes no sense to me. I'm taking up so much space. I am being put in this box for what? Mm-hmm. Like such a fancy box. You have to pay to like thousands of dollars. in four or five generations. Yeah. And then space. for what? Like my family or like my immediate, immediate family, they might not be able to move away because they want to be near me or like near my burial site or they move away and then they can never visit me you know so might as well just like like i don't want to be cremated just personally i'd rather be composted put me in the ground just let me decompose and just let me be dirt just let me go into nature you know and that's just me personally but like you know then they don't have to go anywhere you know my body's gone my soul will still be around haunting them you know watching over them making sure they make right choices hopefully fingers crossed yeah but you know i'll be haunting but i just i don't want to be buried and then i was talking with gare i'm like yeah well that's what i want to do i've known that for a while that i want to be composted and then i asked him what he wants to do and then we joked about having like a viking funeral where we have like where we do a funeral at sea and just light him up basically oh and then it's very fitting for him he kind of has a little bit of like a viking like norse look to him yeah yeah yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. But th- he loves space. He loves the universe. He loves space, anything like that. So then we started look. He started looking into like space funerals, 
And so he just wants to be sent out to space. He's like, yeah, just send him out. And I'm like, all right, cool. We'll make that happen. And this is where I said a joke and I can't remember what it was. Probably. I don't remember. We were going on and on. I said something about Jupiter. Did you? I don't know. Maybe. I don't fucking know. But like, yeah, that's what he wants. And I'm like, all right, that's what you want. That's what you got. That's what you're getting. Just be out there. And then I was like thinking about it. He really wants space from you. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. Uh uh-uh when he married me he agreed not till death it's forever that sucker is stuck with me forever literally (laughs) oh seriously but no and then that got me thinking i was talking with gear about it you know like we we've talked about it if one of us goes before the other one i don't plan on remarrying i'm not even gonna date hell no i don't know how to talk to people Fuck no. I found my forever person. I found my I found my person. That's it for me. I'm not going to. And like, I wouldn't even know where to start because then I was thinking about that one video about like flirting expectations versus reality and, you know, expectations and you're batting your eyelashes and you're so cute and precious and dainty. And, and then reality. I like spoons. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, duh. I'm so fucking like neurodivergent. I can talk about what spoons I like for hours. I like little spoons, but they have to be a certain thickness and like a certain shape. And if it's a big spoon, it's only to eat cereal, but it has to be a very particular shape. And then don't even get me started on forks. And then it gets gets me thinking. I'm like, well, I'm like, I do I like, like big forks. Those really big forks. I don't know. Why oh my I god, like no, them. I like little forks, but not teeny tiny forks. Oh my god, you scared the fuck out of me. <laughs> I never get startled. <laughs> and when you do, you don't act upon it. You pretty much. You can't even tell. No. Oh my god. Um her fiance just just walked in and jumped on the bed. He's proud because he always tries to startle me and it just doesn't work. <laughs> and it worked this time. It worked but, without even meaning to. But like I can talk about spoons and forks and what I like forever. So I'm like, yeah, that's totally flirting. And then I started thinking about salad fingers and like I like rusty spoons and i'm like hmm what part of the internet did you grow up like were you on were you watching that obnoxious like fred or were you watching salad fingers were you watching charlie go to candy mountain were you watching all the the hell those people are except fred oh you were one of those (laughs) (laughs) gary and i were on the same side of the internet you know what other dude i really liked watching and i don't know if you knew who he was but he really like was on YouTube for, and he was the same, around the same age. So we, obviously his humor was something I like. Sergio Rasta. Oh, no. Yeah, he apparently like, he was really funny and then he kind of stopped doing YouTube and. See, I was on a different side of the internet. I knew who Fred was, but I wasn't watching Fred. I was, I was watching Charlie go to Candy Mountain. Oh, that horse? Yeah. Charlie. I never watched that. Let's go to Candy Mountain. It was weird for me. <laughs> and then and salad look, fingers. Did you ever watch salad fingers? No. I like rusty spoons. That no. That makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> and, and I then, hung out with the drama kids. So and they then like to that Carl. And I had no clue. Carl, that kills people. No, nothing. I was thought you were going to talk about Carl Weasley or whatever from Jimmy Neutron. No, Weasley is. is Weasley oh, is. <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> Weezer. His last name is Weezer, Weezer. isn't it? Something like that. 
Carl, Carl Weezer. <laughs> no, like, yeah, you yeah, and I were on different on... sides of the internet. Gary and I yeah. were on the same side. Yeah. Well, that's why and we then, didn't become friends until much later. No, but then it gets me thinking if like I was on that part of the internet and that set me down like a million different rabbit holes on parts of the internet that I really shouldn't have been on. And I'm like, oh my God, I have two kids now. How the hell am I going to protect them from the fucking internet? Yep. Good old pain Olympics. Oh my gosh. Yes. Pain <laughs> Olympics. Two girls, one oh, cup. Oh my oh. God. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Did you ever watch Two Kids, One Sandbox? Yeah. Oh, my God. Just spoiler alert for anyone listening. Don't watch it. Don't look it up. There's no kids. There's no sandbox. Oh, my God. Do learn from our mistakes. Do not do that. But, th- but yeah, I was, like, thinking, like, I'm Waffles? just, I'm, what? Oh, my God. Waffles. What was wrong with like? What you was know, wrong with us? We started the meme era, I feel, and it's like the way memes were when we were in high school are so different. Yeah, to what they are now. I'm like the original memes, man. Oh my god, good stuff. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, um, speaking, I I think I'm just gonna get on to my story because I have gone on too many tangents because my brain doesn't brain. You're telling me? Yeah, my brain does not brain. <laughs> But, you know, speaking of funerals and burials, you know, it it works out for this episode because we're going to be talking, you know, kind of about cryptic and not cryptids, crypts, crypts, crypts. We're going to be talking about crypts. So, yeah, if you listen to our last episode, I made a mention that evidence of religion has been found as early as the Paleolithic era, and that included ritualistic burials. Burying the dead has been a part of human culture for such a long time, and actually it's not unique to humans. There is evidence of like Corvid thanatology or Crow Funerals. The Ologies podcast covers this in episode 59. It's a really good episode. And other primates have also been observed not only burying the dead, but mourning them as well. When deciding where to bury the bodies, there are so many options. Graveyards, cemeteries, burials at sea, being composted, being sent out to space, or, you know, your typical six feet under. You can always wear a a cowboy hat and be a space cowboy. (laughs) I'll mention that to him. (laughs) We are in Texas. He should be getting a cowboy hat just for shits and gigs. (laughs) But I mean, but Alex, aren't bodies usually buried underground? I mean, that's where the phrase six feet under comes from. And why, yes, many times bodies are buried underground. But when bodies are laid to rest in an underground cemetery... It's referred to as a catacomb. So I'll be talking about catacombs. And there are catacombs all around the world. Alcatraz, London, Czech Republic, Austria, Bosnia, Egypt, Malta, Peru, and many, many more. I don't know why I wrote so many on my list. But perhaps the most famous with over 6 million bodies buried are the Paris catacombs, which is what I'll be very briefly talking about in this episode. That's a lot of bodies. Yes. Do you ever feel like you just need a burp? You know, I've actually been feeling heartburn the last couple days. Wait, what the oh fuck? God. Me too. Am I getting a heart attack? No. You know, that's, that's actually how I found out that I have really bad anxiety. Because I th- in college, heartburn. oh, excuse me. In college, I thought I was having a heart attack because my le- my chest was hurting and I was getting a really sharp 
pain radiating from my chest down my left arm into like my pinky. So then like everyone was like, oh, you'll know, you'll know, like you'll definitely know if it's a heart attack. And then like I called the student health center and like I told them what was happening and they're like, um, you should probably go to the ER like now. And I didn't. I just went to urgent care on campus. And they're like, okay, well, we don't think you're having a heart attack. Yeah. Contrary to popular belief. A lot of women don't go or like their symptoms get like misdiagnosed or like they don't think they're having a heart attack. So the symptoms that you see in men are different to the symptoms you see Mm -hmm. in women. Men do experience the pain on the left side, the chest hurting, shortness of breath. Women will experience more like heartburn. Um, What else? Like stomach issues. I don't remember what else, but. I have no idea. We're not. It was in my head. Please don't take any medical advice from us. Don't do what I do. If your chest hurts, go to the doctor. Don't do what I did. But anyways, it just turned out to be like really bad anxiety. And it turned out to be so bad. And I was tensing up my muscles so much that I ended up pinching a nerve, pinching two nerves. And that's why I was getting sharp pain. So I had to go to physical therapy for a while. Mm -hmm. So I had two pinched nerves because my anxiety was so bad that I was so tense that my muscles were just like not having it. And they ended up pinching the nerves in between it. So yeah, don't do what I did. It's not fun. No, it's not fun. I still experience that pain kind of. It's the worst. Oh, yeah. I still feel it, too. Anyways, so just for some history, I'm just going to give a super quick overview rather than diving into it. I mean, there's so much history. It could easily have its own show. And if it already does, I wouldn't be surprised. And so basically, the catacombs were a solution to a problem of overcrowded cemeteries in the 18th century. It was decreed that no burials would be allowed within city limits due to the overcrowding issue. And the solution was an easy one. If bodies couldn't be buried in the city, they surely could be buried under the city. And so ossuaries were built under the city and extended from an old city gate named, please forgive me, I don't speak a lick of French. I know how to say we and that's it. (laughs) And croissant because of that vine. (sighs) I almost made me drop my croissant. I don't. Oh my God. I said it so wrong. It's croissant. Croissant. (laughs) Yeah. See, I know French. But anyways, the old city gate was named Berrier de Enfer or the gate of hell. And like. Inferno. Inferno. Right? Like, and like, come on, you can't have anything named like that and not expect some gnarly hauntings, especially if you move six million bodies there. Like, come on, people. But that's crazy. Anyways, the gate owes its namesake to the street Rue Denfer. And there's some debate as to why the street was named this. And there's two prominent theories. And the first is it was a place where robberies and debauchery took place. Or the second was that it was butchered from the Latin via inferior, inferior, which is theorized to come from enfer, which means iron because of the name given to a door in the wall of Philip Augustus. I'm going to go with the first. I'm going to think it's a barrier of hell or gate of hell. That's what I'm thinking. And I agree. It's it's more fitting that way. Because there was overcrowding in the already established cemeteries, 
Many bodies were exhumed and relocated to underneath the city. However, many of these bodies were not given proper burials and were stacked one on top of the other or just thrown into the many ossuaries. And That's some of the sad. bodies, mm-hmm, and some of the bodies were even used to create pieces of art or act as structural support. And many bones were arranged and stacked on top of each other in the shape of a barrel and is now rightly known as the barrel. And it acts as a stru- as a support beam. See, they were dead and functional too. Yes, got to be functional. They have to be beneficial in the afterlife. <laughs> so mean. I mean, that's All why right. I want to be composted. Let me be beneficial. Well, I was referring to what I said about my dog. <laughs> See? <laughs> that's so mean oh my god oh lord oh my god anyways the disruption of the deceased obviously created so many issues and was the perfect breeding ground for hauntings and paranormal activity and if you're interested in visiting you can tour them but know that the available path for tourists is only about two kilometers while it's estimated that there are over 320 kilometers of tunnels and some areas reach a depth of 200 feet below the sea level. And just so you know, it's very humid and it's a very confined space. So be prepared. When Can you f- I ask a dumb question? Yeah. You know how like, no, I think it just is the water Minsa. What? I was going to say, if you go down that deep, do you feel pressure like you do in the ocean? Oh my god. But it's the water. It's the water. <laughs> I know. That's why I said can I ask a dumb question. <laughs> I mean it I'm sure it causes some pressure changes, just like when you're traveling on a mountain, like uh-huh. when you're going up the mountain, you know, but your ears pop like and you can deadly. Yeah, and you can get elevation sickness. Yeah. Yeah, I got elevation sickness. I was pregnant with Quinn and I went camping to Mammoth and I got elevation sickness. It was rough. Oh, I remember you went there. Yeah, it was beautiful, but I couldn't even enjoy myself just because I felt miserable the entire time. Oof. But as soon as we went down the mountain, I was like, I feel great again. But let's go back up. <laughs> seriously. Anyways, when you first enter, you take spiral stairs that immediately take you to 60 feet below the ground. And when you enter, you're greeted by a sign that reads, stop. This is the empire of death. Right away, it's not very welcoming. So right away, it's not very welcoming. All right. So if you do decide to go, you might experience some hauntings. And there are so many stories that have proven to be true, while others have transformed into folklore and urban legends. And I'm just going to cover the most well-known ones. And probably one of the most famous hauntings is, again, please forgive my pronunciation, but it is the ghost of Philibert Asper. And believe me, I looked these names up beforehand, too. And he is probably the most famous catacomb ghost that is 100% rooted in fact. During the French Revolution, uh, Philibert was the doorman at the Val de Grace convent, and he ventured into the tunnels to reach the liquor that was kept at the Chartreux convent cellar. But he was making his way through the tunnels by candlelight. And when his candle burnt out, he didn't have a spare and he was never seen again. That is until 1804 when his body was discovered and identified by the hospital keyring that was still attached to his body. It's said that he still haunts the tunnels every November 3rd. 
But honestly, I think he's there all year. And another one is the uncovered video camera. And if you're a fan of found footage, you'll love this one. I'm personally not a fan of found footage films, but it is what it is. In the early 90s, a man decided to explore the expansive network of tunnels, but unfortunately, it would be his permanent residence. Okay, so maybe he didn't die because they've never heard of him like since. But, you know, he could have escaped and then we just he just never talked about this experience. So they didn't know it was him. But. Honestly, you don't know what's in those tunnels. And if you watch the videos, it's truly haunting. The film is shot entirely through his point of view. So it really does give off like full immersion vibes when you're watching. And you're literally seeing what he's seeing. And as he continues going deeper into the tunnels, strange noises are captured. And what's truly horrendous is that the footage basically captures his descent into madness. You can tell that he's lost and panicking and essentially has no way out. Some of the shots are incredible and basically just looking at the catacombs. But at one point, he's 288 feet below street level and we catch a glimpse of something and he begins running away. He drops the camera as we hear him running away and that's it. The camera films nothing more until his battery dies in true found footage style. Some argue that it was a hoax but I totally believe that it's real. And like I said, I'm not the biggest fan of found footage, but this gave me the chills. And what leads me to believe that it's not a hoax is that there is another legend called Voices at Mid that are like the Voices at Midnight. And yes, it's a legend, but you'll see why I think it's true. So the legend has it that if you enter the catacombs after midnight, something strange happens. The walls begin to whisper. And like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if this is how most people go missing, especially the man in that found footage. Disembodied voices will begin crying out and convince you to go deeper and deeper into the tunnels until you can no longer find your way out. My theory is that this is more likely to occur at midnight and after because the veil is thinner during this time. And midnight is a huge threshold boundary that you can't escape. I do believe threshold and in-between spaces are places where the veil between the worlds is thinner, you know, shadows, doorways, etc. But the biggest one is midnight. You you can't escape that one. And after midnight, you've already been introduced into the thinning space. And after a few hours, you've reached the witching hour. Honestly, it seems like a lose-lose situation to me because you're entering a space with the remains of over 6 million people that were taken from their original resting place. There has to be at least one angry or vengeful spirit. And this brings me to my next one about teens getting lost. And this one is a true story. A group of teens or young adults went into the catacombs to do who knows what. There are so many reasons to go into the catacombs and I'll cover that next. But the point is they were there and they were drinking. One girl in the group was inebriated and wandered off and was found, I believe, a few days later. Unfortunately, her body was found frozen and her death was due to hypothermia. And that really made me wonder if she wandered off simply because she had been drinking and her judgment was impaired or if some spirit or entity took advantage of her and lured her away. Oh, hell no. I'm like, come here. Yes, it's terrifying. Can you imagine? Just a little further. 
I mean, like there's a whole thing, like if you hear something, no, you didn't. If you see something, no, you didn't. But when you're drunk, if you hear something, what was that? You see something, what was that? Like, oh, geez. Although the man in the found footage was never seen again, you know, whether because he didn't want to be found or because he was lost in the tunnels and the body of the girl was found after a night of exploration, there are many who venture into the catacombs who live for the thrill of exploration and the thrill of being somewhere where they're not supposed to be or really do love the history and mystery behind the catacombs. And these people are known as cataphiles and some are interested in charting the unexplored areas while others are interested in activities that align more closely with the original name of the street. So, you know, they're more interested in engaging in drinking, partying, drugs, illicit sex, and essentially debauchery. And if you do end up going to the Paris catacombs or looking at images online, you'll find a lot of graffiti and other pieces of art that have been created by these cataphiles. And just like cataphiles, there's also catacops that are responsible for going into the catacombs to not only find the cataphiles, but also look for any entrances not noted or look for any people who may have gotten lost as well as take note of any deteriorating spaces. Well, in 2004, these police officers stumbled across some strange things. There was a PA system down in the catacombs that played a barking dog, most likely to deter people. Obviously, this didn't deter them and what they found was over 3,000 square feet of galleries with pirated electricity for phones. So not only (laughs) did they have working phones, there was a bar, a living area, a workshop, a lounge, and a cinema that seated 20 people. And so- Free housing. (laughs) Yes, free housing essentially. And so the the catacops were like, damn, okay, this is a little outside of our scope. Like, we weren't expecting this. We'll come back in a few days. And so they came back a few days later with a larger team. But all they found was that the area was completely cleared and a note that read, don't search. What? Yeah. So the cataphiles knew or the cataphiles or the people who were living down there knew exactly like that. They knew that the cops were there and onto them. So they're like, all right, got to pack up and find some new tunnels. What? Okay, well, first of all, putting the barking dog sound was really smart. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure that wasn't intended for the catacops. I'm sure that was intended more for people wandering around and they wanted to just get them away and then hope that the cops don't find them. Yeah. Because like... Um, if I were to hear barking dogs, hell no, I'm staying away. I don't know if they're friendly yeah. or not. I and love animals, but mm-hmm. I'm sure it echoes. It sounds way loud. Yeah. And then the note, is it there so that because their stuff was hidden, they don't want the cops to find it? Or is it there because they were doing something bad down there? Like, is it there just because they're like, oh, we might as well play a little joke before we leave and just seem all mysterious like what was the reason we don't know we don't know crazy yeah and so that brings me on to like the next one you know you said you know were they doing something they weren't supposed to be doing and you know there are a lot of bandits that use the underground tunnels for their nefarious activities and in order to avoid people venturing into their illicit and illegal ventures 
they started a rumor about a spirit of a green man that roams the tunnels. But like it makes me wonder if if it's a rumor or if like they really did see something like that. You know, because it's like you just you don't know what you'll see down there. For me, when you say green, I they probably meant they probably meant green like Shrek. I I for me, <laughs> I feel like green like a glow stick. Oh my god, I was thinking of like it, old Greg. Well, because I don't know who that is. <sighs> okay, look up old Greg when you get the chance. Okay. Well, because isn't it dark down there? So how it the is. hell do they know about a green man? So that's they have why lights. it makes me think of a glow stick. And then, did you ever watch The Simpsons? I did, I did, I did. The episode where Mr. Burns gets taken by the aliens and he comes out all like with the big eyes and he's glowing. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that's what you what think I of? Think. <laughs> <laughs> I was either thinking of like old Greg, but I was also thinking of, what's that Martian's name in Looney Tunes? Isn't he green? Uh. Yeah, he is green. Martian in Looney Tunes. Oh my god, I'm like blanking on his name. Marvin. Oh. And no, he's not green, but he wears a green outfit. He has a green and red outfit. Marvin the Martian. Um. So anyways. Oh, I see. I just looked up old Greg. Uh-huh. Damn, that's scary ass. <laughs> anyways, um, talking about like weird things, you know, you can also find some cat skulls down there. So if you're a cat owner or if you like cats, Consider this a warning. Although there's nothing gruesome, you may want to skip ahead like 30-ish seconds. But it said that in 1896, hundreds of cat skulls were found in the tunnels. And the catacombs shared a well with a nearby restaurant. And the restaurant owner wanted to pinch pennies where he could. I mean, you know, la pobreza. Gotta do what you gotta do. He used cats and pawned the meat off as rabbit because apparently they taste similar. But like, how do you find that out? How do you like one day decide, oh, I'm going to taste this rabbit. I mean, I'm going to taste this cat. Mm, tastes like rabbit. It just, it kind of reminds me of like artificial vanilla and beavers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Okay, but I will. So I told this yesterday because Jasmine didn't know this. In case anyone's out there wondering, like artificial vanilla beavers like what do you mean the flavoring of artificial vanilla comes from the anal glands of beavers it's true and it's fucking weird i don't know like i get it if you like ate beaver you know back in the day and you're like hmm this tastes like vanilla but anyways the cats were used as meat but how do you discard the remains without your patrons finding out you just chuck them into the catacombs of course so that just kind of gave me like sweeney todd vibes you know like I'm thinking of the movie with specifically, I'm specifically thinking of the movie with Johnny Depp, you know, in the tunnel underneath. Yep. Yeah. Which speaking of, I actually had come across um, an article or a video talking about this couple in I think a city in Mexico that was arrested because they had a taco stand and they were serving human meat in it. Ooh, no, ew. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Can you imagine if you would have eaten that? How horrible you'd feel? Ugh. I think the worst part would be if you actually were like, mm, this is delicious. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the best taco stand around. And then find that out. I could never. I would feel like shit. Oh, jeez. Did you ever watch the show The Hundred? No, I haven't seen it. Okay. I've heard of it, though. It's a really good show. And just spoiler alert, um, there is some cannibalism in the show. And it's not cannibalism because they, like, want to. It's because they need to in order to, like, survive kind of a thing. And it makes me wonder. I'm like, hmm, yes. Everyone was seen as, oh, like, this is, like, horrible. I can't believe we're doing this. I can't believe we've, like, succumbed to this. But it makes me wonder if, like, 
I know it's a show, but let's say in that universe, what if someone was like, hmm, tasty. Ooh, it's weird. It's giving me like Dahmer vibes. Anyways, I mentioned earlier that I'm not the biggest fan of found footage films, but I actually really enjoyed As Above, So Below. And just like a quick gist of the film, it's presented as found footage of the filming of a documentary, but it doesn't claim to be real or actual found footage like a lot of other movies claim to be. It follows Scarlett and some of her other companions as she seeks to find or seeks to finish her father's search for the Philosopher's Stone. And that leads her to the catacombs and essentially takes her through the nine circles of hell described in Dante's Inferno. In case you wanted to know what they are or don't know what they are in off the top of your head, they are limbo, lust, gluttony, greed, anger, heresy, violence, fraud, and treachery. If you want to watch it, you can rent it because I'm not seeing it on any streaming platforms at the moment, but I did watch it on Netflix a few years ago. So it does come on and off. But like I, like we've said before, do not take our movie recommendations as so like, serious. yeah, don't take them seriously. Take it with a very serious. be critics. Yeah. Nope. Never. So just for reference, one article I read said that this movie was catastrophically horrible and another said it was completely underrated. And I agree with it being underrated, but like we said, don't take our recommendations seriously. Going a little further, it has an 84% approval rating by Google users, a 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb, and a 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's literally all over the board. I liked it. That's basically it. It's just a very, I just very briefly covered the history as well as like some of like the most famous hauntings and stories. I could have gone into depth with probably each and every one of them, but I'm just scratching the surface just because there's so much. I mean, there's 6 million bodies there for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much history there. So I'd never be able to cover it all. I want to know how the hell they just know that there's that many bodies down there. Mm-hmm. Like, do they send people out with lights or... Or did like they catalog each one? Yeah. Is there like a blueprint? I have no idea how they know that it's over 6 million bodies. Like... it's a lot of fucking bodies. Yep. God. Mm-hmm. Yeesh. Well, as above, so below, recommend it. I do like that movie. And I honestly do think it's scary. I don't yeah. know if it's because I watched it at like 3 in the morning, but I thought it was scary. Yeah. Parts of it definitely, definitely got me. Yep. So I just couldn't let go of the beaver anal gland thing. (laughs) And um, so this article, it's insider, but a few of them said the same thing. says artificial vanilla extract comes from vanillin, which was a lab, which was lab produced from eugenol, whatever the hell that is. But it says that now a majority of commercial vanillin is synthesized from I don't know how to say that. Pretty much it says it's found in wood, smoke, and clove oil. However, to back up your anal gland theory, (laughs) there is one here that says there is castorium. And apparently castorium says it's a heavily scented brown or tan goo that is secreted from a beaver's castor gland which is located 
nail bitingly close to its anal gland. So it is close to it, but it's not the anal gland. And apparently the Romans used to use the used to use castorium to like light their oil lamps and stuff. Must have smelled but nice. It says that yeah, it says that in the last it's been a long time. It's not really used anymore. You could probably still find it, but it's not really used. Now they use vanilla in Well oh, I'm gonna say it's beaver butt goo. Yeah, well, don't do that to people, okay? No, it's beaver butt goo. You know, I'm not going to feed people beaver butt goo. (laughs) (laughs) He said beaver booty juice. (laughs) It's beaver booty juice. It's way better than beaver butt goo. No. (laughs) But no, it's not. Okay, so. For anybody out there who use, I use it all the time. So that's why I just had to know. Whatever. It's beaver butt goo to me. <laughs> oh, man. Well. So what else do you have to talk about that's not beaver butt goo or beaver booty juice? Me? I just want to talk about the method of embalming that the Egyptians use. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Also known as mummification. Ooh. Or foo foo foo. <laughs> I know, right? So mummification is um, a special process that the Egyptians use that would remove all the moisture from the body, from a dead body, and leave it in a dried state that wouldn't easily decay. So they started mummifying around between 2400 BC to 2600 BC. Um, and it's believed that any mummies found before that time were more than likely um, due to natural causes. So in Egypt, the weather is, you know, so dry and that would help preserve the bodies. But of course, it's still possible that before that time, some people might have already started experimenting. I don't want to say that that's not true, you know. At the time that that they started the mummifying process, it was believed that only pharaohs could reach immortality or the afterlife. Therefore, they were the only ones who would be turned into mummies. And it wasn't until about 2000 BC that more people started to become included in the bunch. But of course, it was more like the wealthy people because it was such a long, extensive and expensive process. It just wasn't made for everybody. So The Egyptians knew that mummification wasn't a requirement to go into the afterlife, but it was definitely a luxury. I'm sure they were proud to say, when I die, I'm going to be turned into a mummy. Like, it it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt your chances. Yep. And so the Book of Death contained rituals and prayers and things that they learned about, practiced, and studied on. They believe gave them an advantage to get into the afterlife so it took about 1300 years to perfect the process and then another 300 or so to document the process so like it could have been going on for like way longer yeah so the embalming process did take about 70 days i don't know how they determined that that was like the appropriate amount of time but hey they figured it out eventually trial Um, and error yeah seriously like i said it took 1300 years or so for them to finally get it down to what they thought was the best way to go about it. So because this was considered a religious process, special priests would be the ones to work as the embalmers. Um, Not only did they know prayers and rituals, 
They also had to have uh, an extensive knowledge of the human anatomy. So what they would do is they would first remove all internal parts that decayed the fastest. So they would usually start with the brain and they would take a hooked instrument and stick it up through their nose and start to pull out brain tissue. And they would try to get out as much as they could. And whatever was left over, they would use drugs and chemicals to try to dissolve whatever was left in there. This was a very delicate process as, you know, the roughness to get it out could disfigure the face of the deceased. So that's why it took a special person to do it. Did they take out the liver? Um, they like took the everything out. Yeah, the reason so. I ask for the liver is going back to cannibalism. If you're ever like in a situation like life or death situation where like someone has like passed, like someone has like died and you're like stranded and you need to eat something. I like read somewhere that you're supposed to eat the liver first because it's full of so many nutrients. And if you don't eat it soon, it loses a lot of its nutrients and it like starts decaying super quickly. So you go for the liver first. And, and if that person was an alcoholic, you might just get drunk while you're at it. Ooh. But <laughs> that is why I believe that ugh, you can fact check this. Don't, don't quote me on this. I'm not sure. I just read this somewhere. I believe that that is why cannibalism is technically not illegal. Because if it's like a life or death situation, like if like those soccer players that were stranded in the Andes after like a plane crash or something like that, mm -hmm. cannibalism is not illegal due to, you know, those logistics. Fucking crazy. Okay. I see that. I'll look it up. I could see that. Like if it was a life or death situation you and you eat somebody, you just might not be arrested. Okay. So yeah, once they took the brains out, then they would make a cut through the left side of the abdomen and remove all the organs, the intestines, spleen, appendix, whatever. And they, the one thing that they did leave in there, though, was the heart because they believed that that was the core of a person's being and intelligence, which I find ironic because they took the brain out. And that's what is causes our intelligence. And they were smart enough to figure out mummification but didn't have the knowledge that our brain is actually what gives us the smarts like okay but like how long ago was that you know what they're still learning yeah no they are that's yeah. why i find it ironic i'm like one day we're gonna learn that our brain is what gives us intelligence yeah. and the egyptians over here are removing the brain thinking that it has no value yeah and i did i thought that was funny yeah no it is funny it's really it is ironic and i did look it yeah. up and cannibalism is not illegal per se like there's no laws against it but there are laws that basically make it impossible and make it illegal to like make cannibalism illegal unless you're in those life or death situations special circumstances uh-huh understandable it's a tricky one so yeah they always leave the heart so then um after removing all the internal organs they would preserve those separately and at first they would put them in a canopic jar which is um, just a jar made like pottery, like made out of clay and stuff. And the the lid would always, I it would be like a, the head of, if it was a human, it'd be a human head. If it was an animal, it'd be like an animal head. A lot of the times the animals were cats because they, you know, they believe that cats were what, like um, gods or. They were, they were very highly revered. Sacred, like, yeah. They were highly revered. Yeah, there was still other animals though, but cats were their their number one. But yeah, they would put them in a canopic jar and then 
preserve them in there and then they would bury this with the mummy in the tomb. That ended up changing late in later times as they learned um, different methods to best preserve the internal organs. They didn't no longer put them in the canopic jars, but they still kept the jar as part of the funeral process and still buried it with the tomb. So what they would use as part of the mummifying process was natron, which is a salt with high drying properties and it would just dry out the body. So they would make packets of it as well and stuff that inside the body to dry out the internal organs. So once those organs were dried, as well as the body, they would wash the body, remove the packets, and seal up the body. What the natron would do, it would help maintain the body in a recognizable state. Although it would be sunken in some spots, that had a pretty easy fix. And they would put um, linen in those body parts, as well as fake eyes, because their eyes would be sunken into their head. So I imagine areas like, you know, the stomach, I'm sure stomachs can sink in. They would stuff linen in there or your chest maybe. I don't know about your chest actually because you have your your sternum. But yeah, maybe like cheeks, they would put something in there so that they looked a little bit more lively. A little more plump. Yep. So once the body was dried out, washed and ready, they would start the wrapping process. And the wrapping process took hundreds of yards of linen to be able to get the body covered from head to toe. So the priests would carefully wrap the body and as, as they're wrapping, they would pray and do their rituals. You know, they, this is still, this is a person that deserves respect. They passed away. They're doing their due diligence and all that. And sometimes they would even wrap up the fingers individually before wrapping the whole hand just to kind of help keep the fingers and toes together. Once that was done, then they would put a mask on top. And we all know when you think of a mummy, you always think of this one particular mask. It's the most famous mask you can think of on top of the most famous mummy that's ever been found, which was King Tut. <laughs> but for those of you who don't know, King Tut is obviously a very famous name. He was a king and he actually became king when he was nine years old. And passed away at about 18 or 19. I think it was 18. Um, apparently it wasn't known the cause of his death. Some people think say that he was just very sick and he passed away. They did find that his body was in poor health as they saw broken bones and just bruising on the bones and stuff when his when his body was found. Or but then I also saw somewhere that he could have died from hunting, which like hunting as a sport. So that was another thing that I saw that he could have died from that. So I don't know. I I would believe the hunting for sport part, especially if he was weak. You know, he could have had an he could have made a mistake and then. I thought I read somewhere this. I might be completely wrong, but I thought I like saw probably like in a documentary or something that there was like blunt force trauma to his head. Or am I thinking of some other king? I don't know. Actually, I also saw that it's possible he could have been murdered. Yeah, so. that's what I saw in at least one thing. That's a possibility. Mm -hmm. So they don't really know. But nowadays, a lot of people believe, myself included, that, you know, tombs and mummies and all that are cursed. You got to be careful if you find one. And that was a belief that was, you know, a thing back then as well. 
but it didn't come into popularity until King Tut was found. Do you think it's cursed because, like, whoever buried them didn't want their remains, like, to be disturbed? So they're like, this will be your punishment if you, like, disturb this, like, sacred burial ground. It's possible, but at the same time, the people doing the ritual were priests. And, I mean... Assuming that they were like righteous and stuff the way that we know. I mean, they're very different. Well, no, it's very different now. And it differs religion to religion and culture to culture. Yeah. So it's possible. It's possible. I don't see why not. But also something I'm going to talk about later. They also believe that, you know, your body is what holds your spirit. So that could also just be the person itself could kind of manifest that. So. I don't really know. I mean, the pyramids and all that are pretty, like, sacred and important. So, who knows? Yeah. But yeah, they did They did believe in, curse, in, like, curses and all that. But it wasn't until King Tut was discovered that it became popularized in, like, the Western world and, you know, places that we might, we didn't know that before. Because when he was discovered, the archaeologist that discovered him, he, I think he was fine, but a lot of his team members were either like injured or died. Apparently, one of his partners died because a mosquito bit him, which I'm sure was malaria. And so I really freaked people out. And that's when that idea became more popular. I remember seeing. Like two years ago that they found a tomb and everybody was like, don't open it. We're already going through COVID. This will surely end the world. Well, did you see that? I don't even remember what country, but they've like reproduced the genome or like the genetic material to this like bacteria. And it's like, what are you doing? Stop. Just, 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 stop. Just, stop you. Just stop. Yep. Don't do that. But yeah, so. That was, yeah, that was that with King Tut. But yeah, once the wrapping was completed, at the same time that the priests are doing this, by the way, there are other workers doing their part. There was like artists, handymen or craftsmen, and they would collect things that they thought um, was necessary for the afterlife. So they would like make furniture. They would write lists of food. They would write prayers. They would uh, put like religious paintings as well as like, paintings of like daily scenery stuff um, because they believe that that would kind of come into fruition in the afterlife and these were things that were needed to be able to go into the afterlife um so they would get all that prepared put it in the tomb and at the funeral the priest would stop at the tomb entrance and you perform a religious rite for the mummy and all that. Um, and so this included what they called the opening of the mouth in which the priest took a special instrument and touched very various parts of the body to open those senses that are used in this life and could be enjoyed in the afterlife. So I imagine it'd be like he would tap the eyes and the mouth so that you could see in the afterlife or your legs so that you could walk in the afterlife, things like that. Um, And once that was completed, then they would seal off the tomb. And that was that. So as I said earlier about the body holding the spirit, I think it's pretty obvious why they did it. They did believe that the, you know, your body is what holds your spirit. If the body's destroyed, your spirit or your soul 
is gone and can no longer find its way back to you and you might not be able to go into the afterlife. So that was something that they believed in. They believed that if the body was destroyed, the spirit could get lost. So the idea of spirit was complex as it involved three spirits. The Ka, Ba, and Ak. I hope I'm saying that right. So the Ka is a double of the person. It would remain in the tomb and it needed the offerings and objects in the tomb with them, which is why they would put these things in there. Not, you know, and I know I said like furniture and food lists and all that, but this also meant like riches, money, jewelry, and things of that nature. Um, the Ba or the soul was free to fly out of the tomb and return to it. And it was the Ak, perhaps translated as spirit, which had to travel through the underworld to the final judgment and entrance to the afterlife. So they believe that all these things were essential to make it to the afterlife. I think it's very interesting how much, how symbolic all these things are and how it's been like that since the beginning of time, pretty much. Like, mm -hmm. you would think that back then death was like, oh, well, you're dead. That's that. But even thousands of years ago, our ancestors knew that dying is, you know, it's a new beginning for you and... Well, it's like I said, it like at the beginning of my episode, it's ritualistic burials or evidence for mm -hmm. ritualistic burials have been found since the Paleolithic, as far back as like the Paleolithic era. And that's what we've found. So it could be even further. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So some things in humans just never change. And not even humans. Look at crows and look at other primates. Oh, yeah, animals. It's so yeah. cool. Yep. Yeah, it definitely is. So that's all I have to say about that. Oh, I thought you were going to say that's all, folks. No, what the fuck? No. That one was terrible. I can't even do that. <laughs> it's because in, in Forrest Gump, whenever he like stops the story and he goes on to the next chapter, yeah. he'll say, and that's all I have to say that, about that. that. Yeah. Yep. I was thinking of Porky Pig. Yeah. But I couldn't that's do it. That's all, folks. You can't do it either. <laughs> You know what? Maybe I did better than you. Oh, 100%. I, mine sounded <laughs> ridiculous. Anything else you would like to add? I don't think so. I know this episode wasn't super spooky. It was more historical and like history. Yeah, it it felt like I was back in social studies in middle school, <laughs> I swear. Because we talked about mummies, I remember, in like sixth grade. Yeah, but yeah. our next episode will be definitely a spooky one but i feel like we just kind of needed to take a break of the spookies after reading all the scary stories mm -hmm. which reminds me one of my friends heard our podcast is the new person and he he liked it he oh. well he was he liked it he's like you guys have good chemistry i'm like yeah we're best friends we Duh. better have good chemistry <laughs> but he didn't know that he was like yeah you guys have good chemistry so i hope everybody else listening feels the same way yeah i hope so it's like mm -hmm. we we both look forward to recording yeah mm -hmm. definitely mm -hmm. and hopefully this i don't mess up another recording ever again because that broke my heart it's okay we're trying a new software for recording and i am now handling it yeah. <laughs> apparently i can't be trusted <laughs> my knee cracked uh, so we'll see how that goes we'll see how editing on this goes in this new software 
Yeah, I hope it's not that hard. Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to have to find something else again. Then it's all trial and error, so it's all good. Well, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Yeah, I hope so, too. We'll be back in two weeks with some something a little scarier, a little mm-hmm. bit more dark. Yeah, but if you guys have any comments, suggestions, any stories you would like to tell, we would love to have listener stories, you know? Um any experiences or anything like that? Because I've personally never really experienced anything creepy. And Anna's pretty much told what she's experienced before. So. Oh, I have more stories. I'm sure you had <laughs> them in here. Growing up in that house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I know you've told like the major ones, right? Yes, 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 yes. I told the big one, the one about the dead baby. Yeah. And then you're, you're lady rentando that room. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but if anybody has anything they would like to say that we can read on here, you're more than welcome to send us an email at spookystateofmind at gmail.com or send us a DM on Instagram at spookystateofmind. Ale posts some really good stuff on there. She's very creative, not like me. Not active, though. Not like I'm not there often. We really need to get better about that. Yeah. 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 But yeah, we we hope that you all have a lovely week. Or lovely two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Or whenever you hear this, I hope you have a lovely day or night. Or a lovely time. Wherever you may be. Yeah. Have a lovely time. (laughs) Until next time. Stay spooky. Stay spooky. Bye.